Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this week, what we're going to read together as a community is mm-hmm. the book of Judges. We are in week two of a four-week series. Mm-hmm. Last week, we got to chat with Lydia Brownbeck and get going on the book of Judges, kind of lay the groundwork, if you will. Amanda, it's you and me this week. It is. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, at first, well, of course, we're always sad when we have a guest that has to cancel the last minute. Because, Real last minute cancellation. Right. Because so that's, sorry. that means Something's hard wrong. things yeah. on their side, whether yeah. it's logistical or whatever it is. They're not having a great day. Mm-hmm. And so we never love that. But I will admit, and I'm going to admit this, and then I'm going to tell you what the Lord and I talked about this morning. I was looking forward to having a PhD in the room okay. for this week. Yeah. Because there are things in this week, there are things in this book of the Bible yeah. that I don't understand. And I love to learn. I like to yeah. learn from what I don't understand and gain understanding. And I just felt it was like, oh, we're going to have a little bit of a security blanket right? <laughs> by having someone who has done more like actual academic study mm-hmm. of this book in the room with us. And then the Lord and I had a chat. And I remembered that this is actually what we're here to do. That's right. That She Reads Truth exists because we believed then, 11 years ago, we still believe now that the Bible is for us to read. Mm-hmm. And that it's PhD or no PhD? 100%. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably never going to have a PhD. And guess what? I hope that I am still opening my Bible mm-hmm. on my deathbed. Even the hard books, even the book of Judges. Even the book of Judges. Yeah. The book of Judges has some beautiful truth in it. And oh, yeah. there was a moment last week when Lydia, she was talking about our our reading guide, yeah. and she said, this is a beautiful book. I heard it at first as talking about the book of Judges, okay, yeah. and part of me sort of recoiled just a smidge, because I was like, oh, is this a beautiful book? And here's the thing. There are some really ugly things that happen. Absolutely. Really ugly things. Mm-hmm. In this in week. In this week, yeah. Yes. Hard, hard things. But the truth of God's mercy and covenant loyalty and faithfulness and yeah. loving kindness is all over the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it is beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So that's here we good. are, the two of us, we're going to venture forward in this week's reading, not because we have all the answers. I have a lot of more questions than answers. For sure. But because we know that we have the Holy Spirit. And we have the living and active Word of God. That's right. And we can read it and glean from it without knowing all the things. This is such a good pep talk, honestly. Like, I feel like I was less nervous when we got the cancellation because I was like, actually, I've been so excited to talk about this week, more the front half of the week than the back half of the week. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, I am excited, but I love what you said, Amanda, and I hope that our listeners really, like, hear that, like, 
even we are tempted to feel as though we need an added layer of something to just us opening God's Word. Still, yes, mm-hmm. still. And, and and that's not to say that having a guest in the room is not incredible we and love, so fun because we love modeling believers having conversations around Scripture. Sometimes those believers have PhDs. Sometimes they don't. We don't. Right. Anyway, I love the variety of shows that we have, and I'm excited me that too. this show is just you and me. Me too. And it was a... It was a good moment for me to realize that the reason that we do the work that we do here at She Reads Truth is the exact same today as it was That's right. in 2012. Mm-hmm. It just is because we still need the Lord. We need Jesus. We mm-hmm. need to read His Word because it is life-giving and true, and He meets us there, and also— I still, mm-hmm. 12 years later, I keep changing the time, mm-hmm. 11 years later. Well, it's like 11 uh, and a half years. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. rounding up. Mm-hmm. I have moments where I feel intimidated to open God's Word, and I have to remember that I'm not only allowed to, it is part of my birthright yeah. as a daughter of God yeah. to read His Word. And even if it does feel 11 and a half years later as audacious as it did at the beginning, yep. to just for two gals to open the book of Judges and read from it and right. kind of ask questions and discuss it. So let's get to it. Let's do it. Y'all who listened last week know that when we talked with Lydia, we kind of wrapped before we got to the part about Gideon. We didn't talk at we all never about got Gideon. To. So, so what happened last week that you read, hopefully, mm-hmm. but didn't hear was sort of like Gideon comes on the scene. He's yep. called, and he has this exchange with the Lord. He's using this fleece to test the Lord and kind of get a sense of his call. And so you read about that last week, so we won't talk about that now, but that is why we start on Monday, today, day eight. We're already talking about Gideon because he actually arrived last week, and we're sorry we didn't talk about him. You know, I haven't read these stories in a while, and it's funny because I think I had selective memory about Gideon and even about like the details. I mean, he has kind of a, a slow start. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like when he's called by the Lord, which I mean, he's one of the lucky ones in scripture where an angel of the Lord yeah. comes to them yeah. and specifically says, Oh, my word, you know, you're an angel of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. It says, like, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And he's like, Oh, please. Mm-hmm. Like, I read the pleases in this, in that passage that we read on Friday as like, Oh, please. Like, mm-hmm. you've seen what's happening. The Lord's not with me. And so he takes a lot of convincing. And even then with the fleece, mm-hmm. it's like, Okay, fine. I mean, you could just sense the Lord. The Lord is being so patient. Let's have the, the fleece be all wet and the ground be dry. Okay, cool. You did that. But this time, let's have the fleece be dry and the ground be all wet. Okay, cool. Uh, so if this is for sure. Okay. Well, then let's go. And that brings us to Judges chapter 7, God selecting Gideon's army. And this chapter is probably my favorite of the week. I think it's fascinating. And there's so many, there's just a lot of nuance and just this is and that's at play. So Gideon is also known as Jerubbal, sorry, Jerubbal, Jerubbal? Jerubbal. Jerubbal. You know what? Let's go with Jerubbal, and we're going to let it be that. Thanks. appreciate that. Anyway, so the Lord comes to Gideon, we'll say instead, because Mm -hmm. that's also one of his names listed here. Yes. And he was just like, hey, we're going to go and attack the Midian army. They're camped in the valley. But I love that the Lord comes to him, and he says in verse (laughs) 2, you have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them, or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I saved myself. 
So he says, now announce to the troops, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the troops turned back, but 10,000 remained. Okay. I love this because, first of all, he's like, announcement. If anybody is feeling a little bit nervous, you you can go home. You're dismissed. Right. And 22,000 of them are like, cool. I'm out. I'm out. Two-thirds of them left. I mean, I mean, twenty two thousand and ten thousand. Yeah, remained. thank you. Good, good I math. I mean, rough math. No, no, no. I'm still. here for that. So two thirds of them clear out. They yep. are gone. And I think this is going to come back in an interesting way in about a chapter, because well, I'll show you where. I was almost taken aback at how quickly my heart felt convicted yeah. as I was reading yeah. this chapter because I'm like, oh, we're reading a story, right? We're reading mm-hmm. the story. And then the Lord says, you actually have too many. The Midianite army is not small. Right. But the Lord says to Gideon, you have too many troops to win this yeah. because if I'm going to hand them over to you, you have too many. And if we do it this way, you are going, clearly I'm paraphrasing, you're going to elevate yourselves over me and say that you won this, mm-hmm. that you saved yourselves. And I thought... I mean it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you living in dependence on me? I think about those 22,000 guys who were like, cool, thanks for the out. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how bummed they are that they missed out on Mm. like getting to participate. Like, if you don't want to go to battle with me and like do what the Lord has invited us to. Yeah. And if you're too afraid, you're excused. And a lot of people took that out, two-thirds of them. And they didn't get to be a part of, like, the most amazing thing. Right. I mean, hardly any. Even the 10,000, almost none of them get to. Because because the 10,000, then they go and drink at the... Well, here's the thing. So of the 10,000, then, like, the Lord's still, like, still too many. He said, take... Like, way too many. Way too many. So he says, Gideon, take these guys for a drink. And depending on the way they drink the water, whether they're, like, lapping it with their hands or they're hunching over to drink, it's going to weed out who actually gets to participate in this. And only the guys who, like, drink out of their hands are the ones. And, and how many of them are there, Amanda? 300. It went from 32,000 32, men to 300 men. That is, I mean, I'm trying to even picture what that looked like, like in, like, the countryside, right, on the hillsides, right. like how many people that was. I mean, then, so it becomes like a very exclusive group. The town that I grew up in was about 33,000 people. So like super close so to So everybody, us. yeah. So everybody in the town. The high school that I went to was about 200 kids. Okay. So uh, that's about so it So like kind of close to that. Yeah. Um, it becomes like an exclusive group, not necessarily an elite group because that's right. not the point. The I always point, wondered it, about the like, I don't think there's a theological implication about how you drink your water. Um, no, but I did not. wonder if it was like, who's a better warrior? Like, if they're like hunching down, that's actually not like a good posture. They can't for, like, see what's you coming. You can't see yeah. what's coming. Whereas if you stay upright, you can see. I think the, it makes Maybe a better so. warrior to drink upright. Maybe so, yeah. So I don't know. Listen, use your Stanley cups and <laughs> keep your eyes up as you drink that's your right. water. Okay, so we get down to the 300 people, and then comes the story. Do you want to read, Amanda, starting at verse 9 through 14? Sure. That night the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Get up and attack the camp, for I have handed it over to you. But if you are afraid, this feels really kind to me. Again, the patience of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But if you are afraid to attack the camp, go down with Pura, your servant, 
Listen to what they say, and then you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So So, kind. So he went down with Pura, his servant. I am afraid. I am afraid. To the outpost of the troops who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and all the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Swarm of locusts. And their camels were as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. So more than 300 men (laughs) is what we're reading here. When Gideon arrived, there was a man telling his friend about a dream. He said, listen, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, struck a tent, and it fell. The loaf turned the tent upside down so that it collapsed. His friend answered, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has handed the entire Midianite camp over to him. So these two Midianites are having a conversation about a dream, and the other one interprets the dream and is like, this is not going to go well for us. Yeah. And he was right. And and Gideon overheard it. So then it says, when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. I love this. Then he returned to Israel's camp and said, get up, for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you. Mm Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and gave each of the men a ram's horn in one hand and an empty pitcher. Where did he have 300 empty pitchers? I don't know. And an empty pitcher with a torch inside it in the other hand. And then he goes on to instruct them, like, watch me. Like, this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. We're going to break the jugs and blow the horns and, like, the torches. And it's, like, as we read, it's kind of, like, middle of the night. And it is enough to send the Midianite army running. Yeah. I felt a little bit annoyed by Gideon last week, if I'm honest, because I think just because I had forgotten how hard he was to convince. But then he's just so relatable because (laughs) he's like, surely I'm not hearing this right. I need like triple, double, like confirmation. Yes, I'm still afraid. Please continue to give me signs. But then even when he's getting it right, he's still kind of getting it a little bit wrong. A little bit wrong. Yeah, because yeah. he has them go and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. And for Gideon. And you're like, but no. But not just, for Gideon. Just for the Lord. Yeah. Gideon, like, have you been paying attention? And then he does it again later where I they're know. like, we want you to be to rule over us. And he's like, not me. Let the Lord rule over you. But here's a little silver and you can make a little ephod. <laughs> but if that. you want, yeah, just I'll to like, commemorate me. I don't want to be your king, but maybe I'll dress like one yeah, and yeah, demand yeah. things like yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, then, and so I get frustrated and annoyed and kind of roll my eyes at him. And then I think, yeah. um, right. okay, I yeah. that... I see all the many places where I can connect my own legacy with Gideon's legacy. One of the things I liked about the attack, though, there was not a specific that we have here in Scripture. There was not a specific instruction from the Lord in how to do this. Like Mm -hmm. The Lord instructed Gideon how to make his army smaller, Mm -hmm. and he said, the battle is yours. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have won it. But in Scripture, we don't have a record of God saying, Gideon, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to take the pitchers, you're going to take the fire, mm-hmm. and you're going to take the ram's horns. Gideon, it seems, like, planned all of that. And I think it's, a, honestly, Amanda, like, a really beautiful example of the Lord giving people wisdom. Like, just like he called Gideon. Yeah. He, like, he used the fleece. He did the call. Like, he's given Gideon every reason to believe that it is not about what Gideon does. 
that it is about that the Lord has already given this to him. So right. I don't care how you go about it as long as you're walking in obedience. And obedience to me is getting the size of the army that I say you need mm-hmm. and going. And so Gideon's ideas, whether they were great, crafty, war mm-hmm. ideas or if they were just terrible ideas. It wasn't it, Gideon's it strategy. It wasn't the point that, wasn't right. well now like we know how any time to defeat a huge army with three hundred people Here's is how we do it. with yeah. the torches and the ram's horn and the pitchers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well and the Lord intervenes. I mean it says in verse twenty two when Gideon's men blew their three hundred ram's horns, the Lord caused the men and the whole army to turn on each other with their swords. So I mean, just like got thrown into confusion. Yeah, I mean, the Lord did it. The Lord and, did it. You know, I think there's something about this story too that teaches me that there's nothing wrong with preparedness. I mean, I no. think we're called to be wise mm-hmm. and disciplined and diligent. You know, there are, we talked about that last week, mm-hmm. and I think before that and above that, we are called to depend on the Lord. And it is a tricky balance. It, it feels like, in my own experience anyway, it can be really easy to let one mm. super... I mean, it happened for me this morning. You know, with this podcast episode, it's like, oh, wait, I let my preparedness or my confidence in myself mm. or in the situation supersede my dependence on the Lord. And we have to have... We should have both. Because you don't want to show up unprepared. Well, no, because that's also not obedience. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. We talked last week with Lydia about the importance of like always being on guard. As long as we are breathing, like we are in a spiritual battle Mm -hmm. and sort of like the tension, I don't know if tension is the right word, but the dual reality of being Mm -hmm. constantly on guard and also like at rest because of the reality of Jesus' finished work and like both of those things being true for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a little bit plays into to be prepared, to be on guard, and also to be dependent on the Lord and trusting Him. uh I'm going to reveal something this morning. Here's a confession. I'm realizing it as you're saying that. This is where I think, not just this, but this is one of the ways I believe that spiritual disciplines Mm. and practices— and actually having like what what John Mark Comer would call a rule of life. Like, here's the way I actually live my days Mm -hmm. and my weeks and Mm -hmm. my months and my life, which he's excellent at, you know, and he has it all. I want to say it is all figured out. Of course he doesn't. He would say he doesn't. Of course. But we are called to that for a reason. We are called to spiritual disciplines and practices for a reason because they are useful in godliness, like in in what we— the way we desire to live, like mm-hmm. our, the posture we desire to have before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now that with the exception of I prayed with my son this morning, which is really sweet. Maybe we'll get to that. It's a sweet story. I said a prayer for a friend this morning, but I had not stilled myself and like stopped and just prayed, just prayed, mm-hmm. d- dedicated my day to the Lord. Before I had the con- this conversation, mm-hmm. like I just wonder if there's something to. I feel like my default changes if I miss that. If I miss the moments of, like what Jackie Hill Perry has a new devotional book out or coming out called "Upon Waking," and so like it's like if the moments upon waking, if I don't take that opportunity to 
orient myself to the Lord, I am more susceptible mm. to this kind of thinking, to forgetting my dependence on yeah. Him. Like, I wonder how I would have responded to the text that our guest canceled if my gut reaction would have been different if I had already had that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, the Lord is gracious and kind and very patient, as mm-hmm. He has proven in our reading. And He is patient with me, and I didn't miss my moment because He's always there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, just an observation, even from like the last three hours. I love that. Yeah, totally. Hey, friends, pausing this conversation to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Haya. Now, it's no secret that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, right? They're filled with tons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that your kids just don't need. That is why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. It has 12 organic fruits and vegetables, 15 essential vitamins and minerals, and Haya has zero sugar. It's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, all the things you want in a children's vitamin. And somehow, kids still love it. And I have to tell you, so do all the moms with young kids here at the She Reads Truth office. So if you want to see if Haya is right for your family, we have a special deal just for you where you can get 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash truth. Your first order will arrive with a super cute bottle that your kids can decorate with stickers. And then each month's supply of vitamins will arrive right at your door. You don't even have to think about it. This deal is not available on the regular website, so be sure to go to Haya Health, that's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash truth, and claim your discount and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, well, I'm going to carry on our narrative. So this happens, the Midianite army, they turn their swords on each other, and then the men of Ephraim... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They join the battle, and that essentially, like, Gideon's army has, like, pushed the Midianites out and kind of, like, directed them so that the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb, could be captured and killed by the men of Ephraim. But what happens is that they then come at Gideon, and they're ticked. And they're like, hey, why did you go to battle without us? Why didn't you invite us? Like, that sounded like epic, and we would have loved to have been there. Yeah, it says they argued with him violently. Violently. Like, this is a fight. But then, and like, Gideon kind of, like, placates them. He's like, oh, my goodness. Like, listen, but we steered the two princes of Midian to you, and you got to kill them. Wasn't that awesome? You did such a good job. And they're like, well, all right. That's a good point. Thank you for that. Good point. And then everything continues. Gideon is now, like, the two princes of Midian have been killed, and then Gideon is now pursuing the two kings of Midian, and that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Israelites ask him to rule over them, and he's like, this is the moment where he says, I'm not the king, but I want to act like the but king. I, want like king. <laughs> I want you to treat me like the king. Yeah, he so he yeah he eventually does. He captures like a young guy who's like and interrogates him. And he's like, "Where are they? Where are they?" And he mm-hmm. kind of tells them. He kills the two kings. Am I telling too much of the story? Well, y'all are going to read it all. It's Here, true. Here's what I want to point out at the end of that chapter. After all of the ups and downs with Gideon, it says after he died, and um, the Israelites go back to their ways, prostituted themselves to worshiping the Baals, mm-hmm. other gods. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hand of the enemies around them. In this verse, 
They did not show kindness to the house of Jerubal, that is Gideon, for all the good he had done for Israel. Hmm. So even with all the convincing and all the like, I need so many signs, Lord, mm-hmm. the getting it, you know, almost right that Gideon did. I wonder if an argument can be made that he was or became over time a man after God's heart because yeah. while he was there, it says it was after he died that the Israelites turned back to worshiping all these other mm-hmm. gods. And scripture acknowledges that Gideon had done a lot of good for yeah. Israel. And so I'm encouraged by that. <laughs> I am too. I had a hard moment about the ephod and all the silver and stuff just because he was like, no, 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 I won't be your king. God is your king, but go ahead and like gather some silver and like make this ephod. And I was like, oh, maybe it's fine because like he had good intention in the creation of it and it was Israel who like Mm -hmm. misused it. But then the sentence like makes it clear and it's like, then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. And I was like, ah, come on, buddy. Yeah. But not to undercut what you were saying. Well, I still, think it's, it's somehow this is both. It's both the ups of, and downs. Somehow all of this is in the same chapter. In the end, it's the Lord's faithfulness that matters. Amen. And that concludes this episode. <laughs> of, no, we're going to keep uh, going. Before we turn to the next day, way back on Monday of this week, Judges chapter 7, when God comes to Gideon and he's like, you have 32,000 men. That's way too many. I'm mm-hmm. afraid that if you win, you are going to speak to your own power. And this will not be about me. And it is about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the end of the day on day 9, we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Boasting only in the Lord. And I wanted to read that because I think it's such a sweet oh, like New Testament connection to that. Yeah. It says, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in His presence. It is from Him that you are in Christ Jesus." who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. I love that next to the last verse where it says that Jesus became wisdom Mm -hmm. from God for us, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. It's the whole thing. He became it all. He does Mm -hmm. the whole whole work. That's right. That's right. So let anyone who boasts, boast in the Lord. I mean, it feels so connected to Judges 7. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it it's does. It's like we planned it. It is. <laughs> it is like. It's like we curated Scripture to be read together yes. to interpret itself. Yes, thank That you was sarcastic. Me. I've been really giving my kids a hard time about sarcasm lately, and then I went and was sarcastic on our podcast, and I am sorry. It's hard when you are a parent and you have to abide follow, by your own. <laughs> abide by your own rules. Okay. Yeah. Abimelech. Here we are. Uh, here we are at Abimelech. It, <laughs> oh, it's kind of a departure from like the main storyline. It's almost like something kind of zooms in here yeah. on this story. But I mean, the headlines are 
Abimelech becomes the king. So what happens is Gideon has 71 sons. He has 70 sons with his many wives and one son with his concubine or his slave. And that's a side conversation for another day about mm-hmm. why Gideon had so many wives. And, and a good reminder that scripture is descriptive and not always prescriptive. prescriptive. But what happens is this one son of his concubine is Abimelech. And he kind of like just says like, why would any one of you get to be in charge? I'm really, I stand alone. Like I should be in charge. So he becomes king, kills the 70 brothers except for one Jotham, who hid while the other 69 brothers were being killed. And then Jotham comes out with this parable. I mean, he it says— Like he the climbed, wisdom that comes from this guy. Yeah, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim. Yeah. I don't know. Raised his voice and called to them. So he's telling the people what happened. Yes. And what we've got here is Abimelech wanting to like rule over the citizens of Shechem— And then the citizens of Shechem sort of going like, yeah, we want you. He's a bad guy. They're not good guys. And I understand that, like, we're careful not to, like, be like, all good, all bad. Like, it's always complicated. But in this story, these are people who are against the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say that. And so he says to the the citizens of Shechem, like, there's, like, these three trees. There's this olive tree, the Mm -hmm. fig tree, the grapevine. And they've called to them to, like, rule over all the other trees. And they're like, but should I stop giving my oil, my wine, my sweet? Like, all of these things. And then all of a sudden the tree's called to the bramble and say, like, come and rule over us. And the bramble's like, "Mm, okay. I'll, like, if you're sure that you want me to rule over you, I will. And you'll read, sorry, I feel like I'm over-summarizing this week, but I just found the narrative. You're just excited. I found the narrative to be very interesting. <laughs> and so I hope this doesn't keep you guys from reading because you'll read the details and it's it's good and worth it. But in his parable, the bramble rules over the trees and it doesn't go well. And in life, that is what happens. Like yeah. Abimelech is the bramble. And like even like as it talks about— And he like, says so. He keeps going and yes. kind of interprets this yeah. for them. He says, so if you acted faithfully and honestly with Drubbable and this house this day, rejoice in Abimelech, and he may also rejoice in you. But if not, may fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem and so on. And we know what happens, and you will read what happens. In fact, at the end of the story of the people of Shechem, fire does consume them. But really, it all kind of ends at the same time with Abimelech dying and the people of Shechem dying sort of at each other's hand. Yeah. Sort of the way that the people of Midian sort of drew swords upon each other. And then here's what struck me about this story is actually just the last couple of verses. Yeah. In this way, God brought back Abimelech's evil, the evil that Abimelech had done to his father when he killed his 70 brothers. God also brought to the men of Shechem all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Jerubal, came upon them. This was their evil, and that's yeah. what keeps striking me. And that it's like there are so many choices being made mm. in the narrative and the history in the book of Judges. Is that that was Abimelech's evil? Like he chose that, mm-hmm. and so he had to own that. And the Lord is not going to stand for it. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. I I'm thankful. For the reminder, there's somewhere in, let's see, it's right at the end of this week in our reading guide, because there's just some really, you know, hard, dark stuff that happens as a result of the people's sin. 
And I appreciate that just right on time, (laughs) the team put this extra after this week on the Canaanite religion and the God of Israel to contrast the two Mm -hmm. and to remind us that the things happening in the surrounding peoples and the the people with whom the people of God were intermarrying and living among and welcoming into, you know, not driving out the way that the Lord had mm-hmm. instructed them, that the ways of their religion were not just, well, you have your, you know, stand-up religion. It's just not the same as ours, so we have to drive you out. No, their ways were so violently opposed yeah. Yeah. to the ways of Yahweh. And we've established, you know, in some of our reading last week, when those readings in Deuteronomy where it says like to choose death or life, that Mm -hmm. was the choice here Mm -hmm. because Yahweh is the God of life and the creator God. And these false gods and false religions were not just about, you know, idol worship. It was about child sacrifice and Mm -hmm. about just, you know, sorcery and divination and cult prostitution, like things that we don't even, I I don't even want to say those words. Yeah. And that was the pervasive rule of the culture that they were to actively fight against and to push out. Some of it feels uncanny and unspeakable and at the same time, a little closer to home than I would like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. It's interesting to see, you know, right here in this reading then to that point, like Matthew chapter 7. We talked about being on guard, and I kind of Mm. flippantly kind of was just like, oh, like these are both bad guys. And I was like, well, let me explain what I mean by that. And I did. But it helps us to see, you know, right in Matthew chapter 7 on day 10, verse 15, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Mm-hmm. And then it says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. Yeah. And then it goes on, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but yeah. a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And I think that, like, I love, Amanda, that you brought to our attention that extra on pages 64 and 65, because this is a look at the fruit of the Canaanite religion. Like, what do they do? And the fruit of the people who follow the law of God, and what do they do? Sometimes the fruit of the people who follow the law of God is actually not good fruit because they are not following the law of God. I think this helps us, like this New Testament passage also helps us kind of look at that contrast and how to be wise and discerning. Another thing that struck me is how it starts with you know, in the earlier in the book of Judges, how it starts with, well, we drove them out. We're not going to drive them all the way out. We're going to let them mm-hmm. remain as forced labor, or mm-hmm. we're going to, we're not going to kill this king. We're just going to like maim him. And I, you know, like things where they have specific instructions and then they don't follow the instructions that the Lord has given. And so in Judges 10, this moment where it talks about, so we learn about some other judges. Tola and Jer, I mm-hmm. guess. And then in chapter 10, verse 6, 
Jephthah is the judge, and it says, Then the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They worshipped the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of, listen to this list, Aram, Sidon, and Moab, and the gods of the Ammonites and the Philistines. So they're actively worshipping Mm-hmm. All of these gods. They abandoned the Lord and did not worship him. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to the Philistines and the Ammonites, the people whose gods they are worshiping yeah. are now going to be oppressed and attacked by those very people. Can we go back to, it's like verse 3, and it's so funny to me. I was like, this sounds like Dr. Seuss. It's talking about Jer the Gileadite who judged Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys and had 30 towns in Gilead, which are still called Jer's villages today. <laughs> it just sounded like a, a real Dr. Seuss situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I needed that. In the midst of all the killing. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are. And the cycle just continues. I mean, and it continues also with Jephthah. Mm -hmm. And there are some... Which is a hard story. It's a really difficult story. Even Uh, to see not just the people of Israel, but like the judges themselves being in that cycle. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful for Psalm 51. Yeah. (laughs) At the end end of of our reading this week. You know, I mentioned earlier that I prayed with my son this morning he was worried about something. And I said, well, let's just, let's ask the Lord. He was worried about his ability to be kind. Hmm. And I was like, Me let's too, just, buddy. I, I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, let's just ask, let's ask God to help, yeah, to help you. Yeah, it's kindness. And so we were praying and I sort of started the prayer and then I paused because I'm trying to kind of gather my thoughts. And he said, I make mistakes, he said to the Lord. Hmm. And so I, you know, helped him from there. But I thought, yeah. I do, and He does. And I'm just so thankful for this prayer that exists in Scripture that you all get to read this week. And then I don't know if you've noticed, because we've only had you know one week, and then we're going to get to the end of this second week, but on our grace days mm. for this reading plan, we are reading through Psalm 32, which is such a good buddy. Yeah. To Psalm 51, yeah. just about repentance and about the effect of repentance on our souls. And so maybe we just read Lord's that mercy. to close. Let's what do, do you it. think? I love that. Ray, will you read for us just this? It's just verses 3, 4, and 5. I would love to. Starting in verse 3 from chapter 32. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Yeah. That's sweet. I like ending on that. I just love that the, the steadfast love, his faithfulness does not end. It is covenantal. It does not go away. And if there's... One thing we are learning from the book of Judges, it is that we need (laughs) the faithfulness of Christ. Yes. We need, like, we will fail again and again and again in this covenantal relationship of I promise and you promise. Mm -hmm. We don't keep our promises, and He keeps His promise. That's right. And always will. And I think that, like, that we get this invitation in the book of Judges, I feel like, to just return to the Lord, return to the Lord, return to the Lord, because He will have pity on us. He loves us. His mercy is so deep and wide for us. I love that. I We can wrap our week on that note. And as we wrap, 
housekeeping notes. One little note is, of course, you guys oh, yeah, know. you guys. We've got Give Thanks coming really soon. And I guess like right after Judges, we start with Give Thanks right in the middle of November. And then, of course, what comes after Give Thanks, Amanda? And then Advent. Yes. Advent starts a little later this year. It's on December 3rd. Mm-hmm. But the books are available now. And so if you want either or both of Give Thanks and Advent, anything in the collection, because especially for Advent, we have not only the reading guide mm-hmm. for Advent, but there's a prayer journal, there is a, a special edition 25 card set, yes. um, which normally we do 12 cards, and this one has 25, which, which is handy. You can count down if you want yes, to. from December 1st to 25th. That's wonderful. Yeah. So if you want to go grab any of that, use this code. It's just for you guys here at the podcast. The code is Holiday Truth, and that will give you $5 off anything in the Give Thanks and Advent collections. It's valid for another week or so until November 5th. So go grab that shopshereadstruth.com. That's right. All right, friends, come back next week for week three of our judges study. We'll be talking about Samson. And we plan to have a guest, but who knows? But who knows? The Lord knows. The Lord does know. Praise. And I find a lot of comfort in that. Amen. All right. Come back next week. But until next week, Amanda, what do we tell our friends? I know this one. Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs> <laughs>